Thank you for listening to messages from Avondale Baptist Church and Pastor Jack Marslander. This message was preached on January 9, 2022, as part of the series Jesus in the Gospel of Luke. We're in week two of our study of Jesus from Luke's Gospel. And Luke is telling the story, and I want you to understand this, of Jesus while he walked the earth. But I do want you to remember that Jesus had already existed and existed before time as we know it began. So Jesus was already there in the Old Testament in Genesis 1-1 when it says, In the beginning, God. And you can see glimpses of him and hints and prophecies about him all the way through the Old Testament. Today's story, beginning in Luke chapter 1, verse 5, begins about a year before Jesus was born. A priest and his wife, Zechariah and Elizabeth, are blessed with a child in their old age. The child will become known as John the Baptist, and he will prepare people for the coming of Jesus. It's a great story. You will notice, though, in this story, that when Zechariah first heard the truth that he was going to bear a son, that he doubted. I don't want you to judge him too harshly on that. If I were to come today and make an announcement, Dawn and I, and by the way, her name is Elizabeth, (laughs) Dawn and I are expecting a child at the age of 63. I think some of you would doubt me. Although, I don't know, I got a pretty good track record, nine children. What do you say, Don? You ready? No? So don't judge Zechariah too harshly when he hears this, but we'll see what happened. It's not the normal course of events that you will have a child in your old age. So we're going to read it in Luke chapter 1. We're going to read verses 5 through 25, which is the announcement of John coming. And then we're going to read verses 57 through 80, which is the birth of John the Baptist himself. A little longer than a normal reading, but I wanted you to see the whole story. So when you stand, don't get impatient. It's a little longer than normal. Luke has very long chapters, 80 verses in Luke 1. Let's stand together. And let's read Luke 1, 5 through 25. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. 
He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah asked the angel, How can I be sure of this? I am an old man, and my wife is well along in years. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. And after this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. And then we're going to skip down to verse 57. When it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy, and they shared her joy. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they were going to name him after his father, Zechariah. But his mother spoke up and said, No, he is to be called John. And they said to her, There is no one among your relatives who has that name. Then they made signs to his father to find out what he would like to name the child. He asked for a writing tablet, and to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, His name is John. Immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue set free, and he began to speak, praising God. All the neighbors were filled with awe, and throughout the hill country of Judea, people were talking about all these things. Everyone who heard these wonder, the, this wondered about it, asking, What then is this child going to be? For the Lord's hand was with him. His father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he said through his holy prophet of long ago, Salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. <coughs> and you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. And the child grew and became strong in spirit, and he lived in the wilderness until he appeared publicly to Israel. You may be seated. 
And then, of course, John the Baptist will go on and become a great preacher, calling men and women to repentance and pointing that one far greater than he would come. And he announced, and then Jesus went to him for his baptism. And we will read more about that as we go on. Right now, I want you to watch one interpretation of what this might have looked like. This is a short scene from the movie, The Nativity, which we have shown in our church. Let's watch. This honor is for you, Zachariah, and your village. Shift ye a bit, Adoshem. Lachasoth banoam, Adoshem. Ulbaker behi, holo. I want you to think about that because it's a powerful story and I want us to understand it and, and I want us to think about it from two perspectives and we'll do this throughout most of the Gospel of Luke. We'll ask about his passage, what does this teach us about Jesus? Because he's the focus. And then we'll ask, what does it teach us about us? About you and I, about how we are supposed to follow Jesus. And I want to start with two things, and I'll put them together, that this story shows us about Jesus. Jesus was long planned because Jesus is the Lord. No one else in history gets a forerunner like Jesus did. 
There was no birth six months before your birth or my birth announcing that you or I are coming into the world. God didn't send someone ahead of me to say, Jack is on the way, because I'm not Jesus. I'm not the Lord. There were no prophecies hundreds and thousands of years before we were born giving details of our birth, our identity, our life, or our death. Six months before the most miraculous birth ever recorded, the birth of Jesus, there was this birth, John's. It was one in a long series of events starting way back at the beginning of time leading up to the birth of Jesus. Luke has not even yet mentioned Jesus by name, but he's showing us and telling this story a year before Jesus was born that he was long planned, that this was the culmination of something that God had started from the very beginning because Jesus, who will be born, is God himself. Now let me give you a little background to that idea. As early as Genesis chapter 1, you get hints of the existence of Jesus in the name of God. You've probably heard one of the Old Testament names for God, Elohim. It's a plural word. And so the puzzle of the Old Testament was that the Old Testament is very strong in proclaiming there is but one God, but his name is Elohim, which is plural. And that's a puzzle throughout the Old Testament. People have tried to explain it away. What I think it teaches us from the very beginning is what we today call the doctrine of the Trinity, that there is one God, but he exists as God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And so from Genesis chapter 1, you get this hint that there is more than just God the Father. There is one God, but he exists in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. When you study Genesis chapter 3, there are hints that God himself will come to earth. So I want you to understand his coming was long planned. From the very beginning, God planned at the right time, and this was the right time, to bring his son into the world. So understand, even before we go on and see how this impacts us, understand who Jesus is. The reason his birth was so miraculous, born of a virgin, the reason that God chose Zechariah and Elizabeth to, to bring another child into the world miraculously was because of who Jesus is. And that's the ultimate truth of the Bible. Jesus is God. If you accept that, then all the rest of the miracles are really easy to accept. Those who deny the miracles of Jesus are really denying that he is God himself. If he is God, then the fact that he could be born of a virgin is no great problem. If he is God, the fact that he could raise a dead boy back to life is no great problem. If he is God, the fact that he could feed 5,000 people with one lunch is no great problem. If he is God, the fact that he would rise from the graves is no great problem. And so from the very beginning, by pointing back to things in the past and announcing that Jesus gets a forerunner, Luke is communicating who Jesus is. His birth was long planned. Zechariah and Elizabeth are just one more piece of that puzzle that ultimately leads to Jesus. 
So now I want you to think about what does this teach about us? And I want to share a thought with you as I, I introduce this. I really, and I hope it's true of you as well, I really want to be part of what God is doing in the world. I don't want to just live my life about me. I don't want me to just make my own choices and live my own life based on whatever it is that I want to do at any given time. I want to be part of what God is doing in the world. I want Avondale Baptist Church to be part of what God is doing in the world. I don't see us and I don't want to see us as just a human organization. I want to be part of what God is doing and so I need to understand what kind of people does God choose for his work. And so I want us to take a look at Zechariah and Elizabeth and notice by looking at them the kind of people that God uses for his work. <coughs> and so what kind of person does God choose? Number one, God chooses people of character. High character. I read that verse when we prayed earlier. What it says about Zechariah and Elizabeth, that both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. That's high praise. But that's exactly the kind of person that God chooses to use. Now, they hadn't been perfect. I'm not implying that. Only Jesus was. And they had their challenges in life. It just says they were very old. In my mind, I'm thinking that they were well past the age of childbearing, maybe like Dawn and I, early 60s. I don't know exactly how old they were. So they had to go through struggles because having children was seen as the ultimate blessing of God in Jewish culture, and they'd not been able to have them. But still, they were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. They took God and his commands seriously. They were people of integrity. They were people who told the truth. They were generous people, loving people, kind people, people who would not cheat on God, on their bosses, on their families, or on their spouses. They put the Ten Commandments on their hearts and not just on the walls. They were righteous and blameless people. Now, I want you to understand doctrine because sometimes people think I'm preaching something that are not. God is willing to love, forgive, and save anyone no matter what sin they have done. But when he saves them, he wants them to follow him and live according to his commands. So I'm not saying you're ineligible to be used by God because of your past. Your past, when you come to faith in Christ, is totally and completely forgiven. It's not held against you. That's yesterday. Who are you today? That's what's important if you want to be used by God. So no matter what sins you did yesterday, they're done with, they're over with, they're forgiven. But how are you living today? Don't use, well, God forgives sins as an excuse to fail to live a holy, blameless, and righteous life because that's the kind of person that God chooses. If you want to be part of what God is doing in the world, then as of today, you make this commitment. I want that verse to apply to me. And by the way, that's the test. Put your name in that verse and ask if it's true. 
Jack is righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. I have to ask that about me. Is that true of me? Because if I want to be used by God, then that needs to be true of me. The members of Avondale Baptist Church are righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. Is that true of us? If we really want to be in the center of God's will and be used by God as part of his work here on earth, then that needs to apply to me. So put your name in there. Daniel, you're front and center, right in the middle. Daniel is righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. Put yourself in that, and if that doesn't describe you, then go before God and be willing to repent and make the changes that you need to so that it is who you are. God uses people of character. God uses, next, working people. Now, now here's what I mean by that. You start working for God, and then often God will give you the next assignment. But he doesn't give you that next assignment until you do the first assignment. Last week, Chris, the missionary that I interviewed, showed us how that worked. He and his wife were recently married. They were graduates of college, members of a Baptist church in Phoenix, and they were asked to teach children's Sunday school. They said yes. And then he was asked to serve as a deacon, and he didn't think he was qualified, but he said yes. And then there was a ministry opportunity in their church to, to help refugees from the nation of Ghana become settled and learn English and get jobs. And he said yes. And today he is the regional director for disaster relief, sin relief for all of sub-Saharan Africa. It started because he was working for God as a children's Sunday school, and he said yes to that, and God moved him to ultimately what his purpose in life is. You start with a job. You identify, this is what God has called me to do, at least for today. And you do it. And you do it to the best of your ability with the help of the Holy Spirit. And then God leads you to the next one. Your ultimate purpose in life may be step 10, but you'll never know what it even is until you say yes to step one. Zechariah was working as a priest. He was doing God's work. That's what he had been called to do. And as far as we can tell, he was doing it very well. This was his day, a day of honor for him, that it was his turn, his lot, to go and put incense on the altar, something that was only done once. Oftentimes, priests wouldn't get a chance in their entire life to do that. So it was a day of big honor for him, but because he had been faithful already. And so God moved him from that to the next. Now here's your ultimate calling. You're to be a dad and to raise and to love and to teach John. And John will be the one who will announce the coming of the Messiah. But understand what I'm telling you. You never get to God's ultimate purpose for your life until you start what God has called you to do today.
And as you say yes to today's job, you'll find out what's next. But you start at step one. God uses people of character. God uses working people. Now this next one, there's a caveat to it. God uses doubting people, but I want to throw in the word if. (coughs) God uses doubting people if. At least momentarily, and I can understand it, by the way. At least momentarily, when the angel told Zechariah that you are going to be a dad and your wife Elizabeth is going to to have a child, he doubted. Or at least he asked the question, how can I be sure that this is true? The wife and I are way past the age of bearing children. We gave up on that dream, though we prayed for it. We gave up on that dream years ago. So how do I know you're telling me the truth? Now, as you notice in the story, the angel Gabriel did not take kindly to that. And matter of fact, he was pretty stern. I am Gabriel. I stand, catch that, I stand in the presence of God. What will happen when you and I go before God? We will bow down. We will fall down almost automatically recognizing it. Gabriel says, I'm one with the honor of standing in the presence of God. God calls me in and he talks to me and he sent me to you. This is not Gabriel speaking. This is God. So the fact that you doubted means your mouth will be closed and you will not be able to speak until the child is born. So he doubted. But when he was rebuked, he did the right thing. He accepted the rebuke. He accepted the command, and he did what God told him to do, and we'll get to that in a minute. Listen, you may not have perfect faith. Doubts may cross your mind. You may be unsure at times that what you thought God was calling you to do, God is still calling you to do. But God can still use people of doubt if if, if they still obey. And that's what Zechariah did. And that's my next point. God uses obedient people. Obviously, Zechariah had told the story to Elizabeth, probably, apparently, in writing, so that she would know, listen, I can't speak. I won't be able to speak for at least the next nine months but God is going to give us a child. We're going to name the child John. And so Elizabeth knew that story. And so you can see what happened there, that when the child was born, and on the eighth day, which is traditionally when the circumcision would occur and the naming of the child would be done, all the relatives are assuming he's going to be named after somebody in the family. Maybe grandpa, probably Zechariah himself. This is the firstborn. We'll end up calling him Junior or, or, or Zachy or Zach or, or something. Somebody named after his dad. But Elizabeth, who had heard from Zechariah, said, no, his name will be John. And this puzzled everybody. There's nobody in your family named John. You're, you're, you're violating tradition that says that you're to name him after somebody in the family or at least somebody that you know and respect and want to honor. And so they went over Elizabeth's head. Okay, we're going to ask Dad. 
Dad, Zechariah, what is he to be named? And I love the way he said it. Elizabeth has said, his name will be John. Zechariah was definite. His name is John. His name is John. Because that's what God called him. That's what God said he would be. And so he was absolutely, emphatically obedient about what God told him to do. His name is John. He was a man of obedience. Now listen, what's your track record when it comes to obedience? I'm absolutely convinced that God chose Zechariah and Elizabeth to be part of this story, to be part of the Jesus story (coughs) because they had a track record of obedience. God said do it, and they did it. God said say it, and they said it. God said no, and they didn't. God called them to go, and they went. They had a track record of obedience. And so God chose them and used them as part of Jesus' story. Do you have that track record with God? When God's looking for someone to use, can he look to you and say, I can call her, I can call him, I can call them, because I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, they will do what I've called them to do. Do you have that track record with God? Because that's the kind of person that, that God uses. How would this story have been messed up if this was Zechariah the Baptist? God never would have called Zechariah and Elizabeth unless he knew. I want you to call him John, which means God is gracious. I want you to call him John. God is gracious because that's the name I have for him. Now, your mom and dad, you get to give the name. You're the ones that signed the birth certificate. But I want you to do what I've called you to do because that's my choice. A question to ask yourself if you want to use, be used by God in the big things and in the small things. Am I obedient? By the way, you can see this in your own family. You want children that you know when you ask them to do something, it will be done. And sometimes you ask one child over another. Because if I ask him, he's going to forget. He's not going to pay any attention. He didn't even know what I said. Someone ask her or him. I got nine choices in my family. I got, I got more than you, but there, there are some that I know beyond a shadow of a doubt. If I ask him to do something, it will be done. And that's what God's looking for. People of character, working people, doubting people, if they are obedient people. And then a final word to add here. God uses people of praise. For nine months, Zechariah couldn't talk, but when he did, he gave great praise to God. I wondered about me if I would do that. If I couldn't talk for nine months, oh, I could finally talk. That was so hard. I might have whined and complained just a little bit, 
I might have talked about other things, but notice what he did. He immediately gave the glory to God. This is not about me. This is not about Zechariah. God is good. God is gracious. God is finally doing what we asked him to do. The Messiah is coming. My son was chosen to, to be the one to announce him, the, the, the son of the Most High. And, and, and I get to be part of that story. It's not about me. All the praise and glory goes to God. God chooses to use people people who will not make it about them but about him if God does something good in me and I want the honor and the recognition and the praise and the pay and it's all about me then it's all about me but it's not part of God's story God uses people who will praise him so you want to be used by God does your life and does your speech Give glory to Jesus and not yourself. If it's look at me, and sometimes that's what the church does, look at us, we've blown it. It's look at him. Look at what he's done, not what we've done. Listen, I really want our church in 2022 to be part of God's story in the Southwest Valley and even through our ministries around the world. But we've got to be people of character, people who are already serving God and working. We'll have doubts from time to time, but we still need to be obedient, even in our doubts. <coughs> and we need to give God all the glory. So what am I asking you to do? Two things. First one is word for word what I asked you to do last week. Commit to this entire study. We are going to study the Gospel of Luke from the beginning to the end. We're going to read every single verse. It's going to take us pretty well close to two years in order to do that because Luke has a lot of these 80 verse chapters. It's a big book. But if you study this book from beginning to end, you will know who Jesus is. You will know what he did. You will know what he said. You will know why he said it. You will know how he died. You will know how he, he, he lived, how he rose again, and what he wants you to do. So I'm asking you to commit to this study. Not because I'm a great preacher, but because we want to know Jesus. And so you know, you're sick, you can't come to church, we still have it online. If you can't watch the video, you can listen to the podcast because I want you to know Jesus. And if God leads you away to another church, you can still continue the study of who Jesus is because there is no greater study in all the world than to know Jesus. So commit to a study of the entire book. And then number two, adopt a lifestyle that is pleasing to God. You want to be used beyond yourself. Then adopt a, a lifestyle that is pleasing to God. Work on your character. Accept a job in ministry, doing something that God has called you to do. Obey. Even when you have doubts. Because if you are waiting for perfect faith, you'll never get there. But you've got to have enough faith to at least obey. God told me to do this. I'm going to do it. This is what his word says. That's the way I'm going to live. I want Avondale Baptist Church and you and me to be a big part of what God's going to do in the coming year. 
Thank you for listening to messages from Avondale Baptist Church. If we can help you in any way, please contact us. Our information is on our webpage at abcaz.net or you can call us at 623-932-2723. Thank you and may God bless you and your family.